there's nothing like making an impression on people, is there? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I have two things I want to share with you. One just sort of uh, as an opener, then I have something else we're going to do. But I, I felt I heard a word from the Lord about two weeks ago, actually. It was a Sunday morning. I was home that weekend and was getting dressed for church, and th- this word just dropped in my mind, redefining. And I didn't think much about it. And I uh, went to church, and during the worship service, the Lord really began to deal with me about that word. And I feel like it's a current word for the church. And uh, for several years now, we've been hearing a word paradigm. How many have heard that word tossed around a few times? Had you heard that word before? That was sort of a new word for me. And uh, we've heard it a lot. And it simply means a model, something you look at, a model. And we've been hearing that there's been a, there's a paradigm shift and there's a new paradigm that we're to work in and uh, new, new church models, new things that God is doing. Of course, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? But uh, we're just being restored, aren't we, to, uh, to God's original pattern. And uh, we're also having to learn how to apply that in our culture. But if we don't redefine ourselves, it sometimes becomes almost impossible to enter into the new model and of uh, who God wants us to be. And so uh, we're in a time, I believe, when God is challenging us and give us, giving us opportunities to take a fresh look at who we are and uh, just what he has for us to do and how he intends to accomplish his purpose through our lives. I was thinking of a good example in the Bible of a man named Jacob whose very name meant heel grabber. Uh, today we might call him used car salesman. <laughs> if you're a used car salesman, please forgive me. <laughs> you know, or maybe a lawyer or insurance. You know, all the people we think of that uh, you think when you think of someone who you got to really watch. That's what Jacob was like. Uh, you know, you had to watch him, and even when you were watching him, it didn't do any good because he's going to get you in the end. You know, and and uh, I don't think he was real proud of his name. And he came to a crisis time in his life. And I believe that if the church doesn't rise to the occasion when God begins to show a new paradigm and begin to ask, well, God, how do we need to redefine ourselves to fit into this? I believe God will allow crises to come and trouble to come and problems to come to stir us up so that we'll begin to say, God, what in the world is going on? How am I supposed to function in this way? And and God said, well, that's what I've been waiting for you to ask. You know, and so... I believe that there's places and people and churches are going through times of real crisis right now. And God is wanting us to find out what life, you know, what he has for us. And so Jacob, during this crisis time, uh, he was headed back home. His father-in-law was after him. His wife had stolen the household gods. He didn't know anything about it. And he was headed toward an unknown future because his brother, who would sworn to kill him, <laughs> was waiting at the other end of his journey. In the middle of all that, God appears on the scene and Jacob gets into a wrestling match with him and wrestles him all night long and finally demands a blessing, you know, and uh, he asked God's name and God wouldn't give it to him, but he, he said, well, what's your name? And you could almost see him kind of looking down at the ground saying, well, Jacob, <laughs> you know, heel grabber, you know, and, and uh, God said, from this time forward, you won't be known as Jacob. You'll be called Israel, Prince with God. See, it was a, a real time of definition in his life. And we need those times. And, you know, when we became Christians, our life was redefined. And we were, we were sinners, but now we were saved. But I believe we have subsequent times of redefinition 
uh, defining who we are in God. And, you know, there's stages of our life and things we go through, periods and uh, uh, times in our ministry when change comes. And when it does, we have to redefine ourselves or we're going to just approach the new paradigm with the old rules <laughs> that worked in the other paradigm. And they don't necessarily work in the new paradigm. We, you know, but we try to make it work and we, we fail and we get people frustrated and we get frustrated. And our families get frustrated. So God is calling us to just, I believe, the, re the redefinition has to come from God. You know, Jacob didn't redefine himself. God defined who he was to be. And I don't think we can, in a sense, redefine ourselves. We might try to reinvent ourselves. But God is the one who speaks to us and begins to tell us who we are, reveals to us who we are. Saul, who was also called Paul. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, and uh, why did they, he change, Why did his name get changed? Well, Saul meant great one, great and mighty one. But when he became a Christian, he became Paul, which meant little one. You know, he said, "There's got to be less of me and more of him." He said, "I die daily for me to live as Christ." And so he saw the power and the value of that. Uh, even in his weakness, he found the strength of God to be manifest. And so these are things that God must define for us. And the, the challenge for us, though, I believe, is to ask God. To seek him, to seek his face, and say, God, help me to be redefined as that, that person you've called me to be and what's going on now. You know, not 10 years ago or 20 years ago, or maybe even last year, but Lord, who am I now? Who am I today? How am I to impact the kingdom? And I believe those are questions that God is waiting for us to ask because he has definite answers for us. So I would encourage you as a church, as a church family, and uh, as leaders, leaders of your own homes and your own lives and your own personal ministries, that this is, that's the time we're in. And uh, I believe that the church is in a time of crisis. And uh, that's, I believe, a, a good reason for it right there because we're, we're not, we don't know yet. We don't see. And so God has to allow, and we're not asking. You know, we're just, we think we know because we've had some answers from the past. But I'm in that place in my own personal life, having to redefine who I am and what I'm to do and how I'm to relate and, and how I'm to function. And uh, I'm realizing that all the things, it was like one day I turned a corner and there it was. All the things from the past weren't working the same way anymore. And uh, this, oh, everything had changed. And that uh, we wake up one morning and everything's different. And God is, expects us to say, okay, God, what do I do now? But our problem is we just sort of go on. We keep trying to walk the way we were in the other paradigm, and it doesn't work very well. So I want to encourage you with that, that uh, if you're in crisis or you feel pressure, or you don't know what's going on, or you can't understand where you are in your life, that maybe God has an answer for you. Amen? And to just ask him to reveal it to you and begin. And I don't know that it's going to come with a great flash of lightning or whether it will just be a progressive thing that God will reveal to you what you need to know. And that's what it's all about. So praise God. I want to talk to you. Uh, for some time, God dealt with me about, uh, well, let's just go back and say for years, one of my biggest burdens has been praying for the sick and uh, seeing miracles happen in people's lives. And the next biggest burden was to see the people of God released into that function in their life. And uh, I've been praying for sick people for well over 30 years. And uh, when I first started praying for them, they died. <laughs> uh, 
took a lot of courage to let me get near you. <laughs> I had a finishing off ministry, you know. <laughs> Dennis is coming, oh no, it's the end, you know. It wasn't quite that bad, but, but uh, you know, I just kept pressing in and praying and believing and having a heart for sick people and to see things happen in people's lives. And God began to use me, and I've uh, walked in miracles for over 30 years and have seen, I can't even count all the healings and miracles and things that I've seen happen just in my own personal ministry, not let alone the ministry of the church. And so God is moving, and uh, sometimes we may think he's moving somewhere else, but I've seen him moving all over this eastern part of the United States powerfully time and time again. And I felt as though a couple of years ago the Lord spoke to me to be more intentional about my approach to healing and praying for the sick. Usually it came in the context of just ministry and the Holy Spirit would begin to give me words of knowledge and things and that it would just sort of, you know, I didn't really try to plan it too much, but God said he wanted me to become more intentional. And uh, I began to pray and seek his face and God began to show me some things and some principles that uh, are powerful. Now, I don't know that there's any seven-step plan that's always going to guarantee that what you want to happen will, but I believe the Bible is a book of principles. And as much as we can, we should try to follow those principles. And when we do, very often there's a pretty good income or pretty good outcome if we do what God says. And so uh, I'm not going to give you, you know, seven simple ways to heal the sick or six ways to cast a demon out, but I'm going to share with you some principles out of God's Word that I've actually walked in and uh, experienced. Uh, oftentimes I just learned most of the time by accident. Or it seems like accident, but it's really not. There's no accidents in the kingdom. And so I want to share with you, if you look in John chapter 5, and uh, this story is pretty familiar. The Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been uh, in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Quite a story. There's some things that we can draw from this. First of all, the man was there waiting for the stirring of the waters. I wonder how many of us are in that same position today. We're waiting for God to do something. We're praying for a move of the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we hear that God is moving in some place like Toronto or Pensacola or wherever it might be, down at Charlotte, we're going to jump in our car or maybe get an airplane ticket and go. Because we're hungry, we want to be where God is moving. Amen? How many, you know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if God is stirring in a place and you've got a heart to go, you ought to go for it. 
And, uh, you know, you may catch something while you're there. You might, you know, be blessed. But the principle that I want to share with you today is that we don't have to wait for God to stir the waters. And, uh, but we can stir the waters ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple principle. Years ago, I used to be invited out. I played the guitar and led worship, and I was a pastor. And, and uh, people would invite me out to meetings and things just to bring my guitar down and lead a few songs. And this time, one time, I was living in West Palm Beach, and I was invited to go down to Fort Lauderdale. And there was a spirit-filled Jewish lady giving her testimony. She'd been led to the Lord by Pat Boone, and uh, I think he baptized her in a swimming pool and... Uh, you know, she had quite a dramatic testimony. She'd come out of occult things and was really converted and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I was invited along to play the guitar. And, and uh, during the meeting, some people were healed and some miracles took place. And so on the way home, I was just sort of talking to the Lord about it, you know. And, and I was just thinking back how I'd had that experience many times. And then sometimes I'd go places and nothing would happen. And so I was just talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, why is it? that sometimes I go out and people are healed and there's miracles and other times I go and nothing happens, you know. Do I just catch you in a good mood? You know, and, and, uh, or am I just at the right place at the right time? You know, just sort of be the, you know, just when the water's being stirred. And yeah, I just couldn't figure out, you know, why it was that way. And then the Holy Spirit uh, asked me a question. He said, well, what did you do on the way to the meeting? It was about a 45-mile drive, and I remembered, well, I had prayed in tongues most of the way. Now, the Bible says when we pray in tongues, we're stirring up our most holy faith. And so I'd done that, and then I remembered that I had actually told God that I was willing for him to use me. And if he wanted to heal people or give me words of knowledge or prophetic words, whatever he wanted to do, that I would be a willing participant. And then I was in a place where I actually had some, a measure of control over what was taking place during the ministry time and I would always stop and say let's just wait and see if God wants to do anything now you know there's that time in the in the in the worship time when man God is just really there isn't he and uh, you know he's just he's arrived and you you're just aware of his presence and I think he's always there I just don't think we always are so aware of it but we're really aware and it's kind of like you know riding a wave in you know you want to catch that wave just right and, uh, and, and during that time, I'd say, let's just wait. And then the Holy Spirit would begin to give me ideas. And, uh, you know, God would talk to me. Of course, at first it was kind of hard when God talked to me because it sounded a lot like me. <laughs> and I had to learn to discern and, uh, you know, to figure out who was this God or was it me. And so, but once I, once I had determined that God was telling me something and then I went ahead and did what God told me to do, people would get healed. There'd be miracles. And then it just, I just saw it for the first time. It wasn't just God. You know, it wasn't just God deciding to move and I just happened to be there. And I just happened to tune in and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. But I discovered that God was always ready to move he was just looking for someone who would give him a place to do it and provide opportunity. And so uh, I began then uh, to do that intentionally. I would pray, put myself in God's hands, just wait and listen to that inner voice, and God would speak to me or show me little pictures of things, and he'd begin to guide me. And as I moved out and did what God said, all kinds of things happened. It was amazing. It was so simple. In fact, it still is. I mean, it's such a simple thing to move with God. And it's so natural. 
And in fact, I've discovered over the years that the more we try to be supernatural, the more unnatural it can get. <laughs> Have you never known anybody that they weren't necessarily spiritual, they were just weird? <laughs> How many of you were just weird? I was just weird for a while. <laughs> and maybe there's still some things in my life I'm a little strange about, but I'm learning to just be naturally supernatural and to realize that God designed me, first of all, to be able to hear His voice. You know, that's not something He has to add on. That was part of the original plan, wasn't it? To be able to fellowship with God and to be able to understand and, and learn to know who He is and to hear His voice and to walk with Him. Those are things that we were created originally with, and when we fell, we lost that. And so when we become Christians, we get restored back to that place. And so it's, just nat it's as natural as just waking up and looking out and seeing the sky and drinking and eating food and enjoying life. It's just as natural to be a Spirit-led person. And it's, it, and it's so natural sometimes we misinterpret it and misunderstand when it's happening. And very often God is guiding us and we don't have a clue. We're just going about our daily task. We're just doing what we always do, but all of a sudden things are happening and we're encountering people and we're, we're saying, well, how did, how did that happen? You know, we think when we're led by God, we're going to wake up and say, now today you're going to have your coffee. Then five minutes after that, you're going to go out the door. And then ten minutes later, you know, God doesn't tell us those stuff because we just screw it up. Hello? If, he, if God told you what he wanted you to do, you'd mess it up. You'd try to help him. And so he just, just begins to lead us and guide us, and we don't even know it's happening most of the time. And it, but it's learning to yield to those moments. It's learning to watch for them. I believe God's always wanting to do things, but we're not looking. So here's a, we can stir ourselves up. You can, every time you meet with other people, you can have stirred yourself ahead and say, God, I'm willing today for you to use me to lead someone to you, to pray for the sick, to cast out a devil, to, to help somebody bless them financially, or however you want to use me. I believe it takes just as much faith to give money as it does to pray for the sick. And we need to be just as led by the Spirit. And sometimes God will tell us to just give things to people. We might even wonder, why do they get it? But if we just obey God, we'll be blessed and things will happen. And so we can stir ourselves up. We don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to do it. And uh, we need to position ourselves to be a blessing to others. So uh, that's the first principle we have. Stir ourselves up, surrender ourselves to God and cooperate with him when he speaks to us. It takes a risk, it takes risk, doesn't it? I mean, you have to take a chance. Uh, you know, anybody ever played the lottery? You probably wouldn't admit it if you, if you did. I mean, I don't know that it's a sin to buy a lottery ticket. I'd rather buy a hamburger myself. I mean, you're going to probably get a lot more out of it. <laughs> but if you want to buy a lottery ticket, I don't think that's a sin, probably a sinful thing. But the odds are way against you, aren't they, that you're going to win anything. But, you know, when we move in God, the odds are just the opposite. You know, we're going to see things happen. You know, we're not going to be, we're not going to be losers. God really isn't interested in embarrassing us or in making us be fools. He really wants us to succeed, and he wants to reveal himself to people as who he really is. So he's looking for people that will move out in faith and take chances. And I don't mean just do foolish stuff, but and you, know, you understand that, uh, that there's a, a, 
kind of a processing we have to do when God speaks to us. We have to discover is what we're hearing biblical. That's always a good place to start, isn't it? You know, does it violate the principles of God's word or does it flow along with who God is? Because even though God's old, he's not confused. Amen. He, he doesn't forget who he is. He knows who he is. He know, knows what he said. He knows what his promises are. And so he's not going to tell us to do something that violates his word. I don't care how spiritual it may sound and how it may make you feel great when you hear it. If it violates the word of God, you just have to say, well, that wasn't God. <laughs> Because God won't violate his own word. So we have to filter these thoughts we have and say, well, is that God? Could God do that? Has he ever done it before? Okay, then, you know, this could be God. Maybe I need to do this. And we, Then we don't have to say, well, God showed me. We could just say I had a thought. You know, if it's God, it's going to be God anyway. You know, God, believe it or not, can prophesy and... Of course, this doesn't mean as much now, but it used to be when God prophesied, he always spoke King James. How many remember that? I mean, just always spoke King. Now he's gotten more educated. He speaks NIV and, you know, just speaks our language. Isn't that amazing? He's learned something, hadn't he, over the... (laughs) Well, how many of you think maybe that was just us that spoke King James and it wasn't necessarily God? You know, and so that's how we, you know, we just put that spin on it. We put a lot of spin on things, and sometimes we add our two cents, and, you know, we get a little mingling of soul and spirit, and we wonder why we're not effective. We have to learn to move in the spirit and not to pay attention to what our feelings are doing at the moment or how powerful we may feel about a thing. We may feel like we're going to fall over. But, you know, maybe you just are having a bad day. (laughs) Maybe your blood sugar's low. You know, uh, who knows? But, you know, we take that as a sign that God's doing it. But there's a lot of things that can make us have physical sensations that aren't God. Our soul can produce pretty good counterfeits for the presence of God. So we have to learn how to negotiate these tricky things, you see. And I'm, I'm capsulizing a lot of about 30 years of experience into this little session this morning. So you'll have to pray and ask God to give you the particulars. I don't have time to develop all of it, but... You know, we, 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 we come to the place where we realize God is speaking. Now, here's this man that had been sick all this time. Notice Jesus' approach to healing the man. Now, did you see anywhere where he prayed? Did he go up and say, you know, I'm going to call my, part, my prayer partners and we're going to put your name on the list and you know, we've got some racing camels and they're going to send your name... You know, probably within three or four months, the whole known church will be praying for your... And we have this conception that the more people we get praying, you know, that God's going to move. You know, if we, it's kind of like the scales. We can just get enough of prayers on the scales, all of a sudden they'll tip and, you know, God will do something. He doesn't really want to do it, or if he, he, he might want to do it, but he's stingy about it. Hello? Come on now. You know, and so if we can get just enough people crying out, we can twist God's arm. All right, all right. Just get off my back. I'll do it. But, you know, Jesus didn't pray for this man at all. Never, never prayed over him. He just told him to get, take up his bed and get up. <laughs> you see, I think our problem is very often when we come into a situation, now am I saying we shouldn't pray? No. Jesus prayed more than any of us. But he didn't pray for people when it came time to minister. He ministered. But he spent time in prayer on his own. 
Sometimes he'd be up all night praying. And, you know, one of the problems is we may get into a place where we're called upon to pray for someone and we haven't been praying. (laughs) And we feel a deficit in our life. Well, how can I pray? Don't ask me to pray. I've had a heck of a week, you know. I don't, you know, God's not going to listen to me. You know, but we need to understand that it isn't that that makes God move. When I was a pastor in Florida, I had a radio broadcast called Let's Talk About Jesus. And uh, I would preach for 15 minutes, usually a live broadcast. I'd take my guitar in and sing a chorus, and then I'd preach. And and that was pretty cool, you know. Every Tuesday afternoon, 3.30 to quarter to 4, I got all the going home crowd. And I remember going home this one particular time, and I was just really feeling high, you know, in the Lord. And got in my car. I had an old Cutlass, 350 V8, four-barrel carb. Cool. Love to merge. The radio station was just off Interstate 95 there in West Palm, and... Man, you could put your foot in that bay. It was a real engine, you know. You go, wah, hear that carburetor open up and just... So here I was going down this entrance ramp, getting ready to merge. Getting ready to put my foot in it, you know. And I just, just happened to glance in the mirror, and here comes this hippie in an old Volkswagen. You know, and he just pulls right up beside me on that entrance ramp and literally pushes... I had to move over to let him get by or he's going to run into my car. And he gets in front of me. I'm driving a 350 V8. He's got an old Volkswagen four-banger with not enough power to get out of its own way. When he did that, something just kind of went click inside of me. I don't know how to describe it, but I got a little hostile. <laughs> you know, and so he, he's already out. He took my spot, and I just kind of went, Whoa! you know, and I'm right beside him, you know. I'm driving a V8, you know, and I look over. My window's rolled, and I said, what's your problem, buddy? You know, and he took out a piece of water pipe about this long and took a swing at the front of my car with it. You know, I'm telling you, it just went downhill. And uh, he didn't know who he was messing with because that very morning I'd been to, my, to, to a person uh, who was a lady in my church, went to my church, and her husband had a drinking problem. And the night before, he'd held a loaded gun to her head. It was a Colt 45, had five rounds in it. It was under my front seat. I was taking it home for safekeeping. <laughs> so I thought, buddy, you want to see lead? I'm fixing to show you some lead right now. I'll put five of these suckers up your tailpipe. Then we see who you swing a pipe. I mean, I was just getting ready to reach for it. And I thought, no, I, I don't want a jail ministry. I better not, better not do that. So I was a big time. I was a weightlifter, and I trained in the martial arts. And I said, what I'm going to do is follow you home, you greasy hippie. First, I'm going to pistol whip you. Then I'm going to jerk your arm off, and I'm going to beat you half to death with your own arm. I mean, I was just like, I was furious. Let's talk about Jesus, right? You know? And uh, Of course, this all happened at about two miles. It's just like, just like bang, bang, bang. All of a sudden, just conviction comes. and I, By the time I got home, I didn't even know if I was saved or not. You know? And, and uh, I felt so low, I could walk right through the front door without opening it. Got in the house, and the phone rang, and... It was this little lady, and she'd heard me on the radio that day and was really blessed. She let me know what a man of God I was. And <laughs> and then she wanted me to pray for her. She said she was totally racked in pain, and they'd given her the number at the phone station. She wanted me to pray, and I thought to myself, well, honey, I'll pray, but I don't believe it's going to do any good. I don't think God's listening to me right now. How many would feel the same way? I mean, you know, and I just felt like God was about a million miles. I was doubting my salvation, you know, just all this anger and rage that had come up just over a stupid thing like that, you know. And, and uh, so I just prayed this little perfunctory prayer, and God instantly healed her. 
I was more surprised than she was. You see, God spoke to me through that, and he said, it's grace. It's his grace that does it. It wasn't because I had done everything, because I hadn't. But see, my heart was after God, and I didn't want to be that way. I didn't realize I still had all that anger in me. I thought I had got all that stuff out of my life, but apparently I hadn't. But, you know, that didn't mean that God said, well, you know, if I'd have known that was there. (laughs) Right? If I'd have known you was going to act like that. If I knew you had that problem, man, God knows everything. He knew before I knew. He arranged it so that I could know. But he kept me from doing anything rash. <laughs> Luckily, the guy, we were in two different cars because I'd have probably done something rash if I could have got a hold of him. Then it had been too late. I might have been sorry, but too late. But God arranged it so that I could see it and repent and let him deal with me. And he really did a work in my heart through that. And I learned a great lesson about the grace of God. And so we may get in a place where we haven't prayed and maybe our life hasn't been going so great and here's a need before us that we feel that here we are. We're the ones that are going to meet it. And we're thinking, well, you know, who am I? I'm not spiritual enough. I haven't been paying my tithes. Or I had a big fight with my wife or whatever. Or my kids are living wrong. Or, you know, I've been doing things I shouldn't do. And, you know, and uh, maybe I haven't prayed all week. But see, right there we can stop and pray. God, forgive me. Lord, put me in the right place. Remove from me those things that hinder your flow in my life so that you can move through me. And see, when we pray, we need to be praying those kind of prayers. And, and a lot of times what we do for people is we pray all around their need. You know, we'll ask God to do this and we'll ask God to do that. You didn't see Jesus asking God to do anything. Here he just said, get up. In fact, that's the way he always ministered to people. He just, he just spoke to them. You know, get up and fix lunch. Get up from the dead. You couldn't take Jesus to a funeral. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I mean, all the undertakers in town were mad at Jesus. I mean, you know, he put them out of business. But see, Jesus could have come and been born and lived an obscure life and just eventually hung on the cross and died for us. We'd have still been just as saved, wouldn't we? But he spent over three years, a little over three years, showing us how to minister. There's a reason for that, because we were to carry that on. So he mentored people and showed them how to do it. And so Jesus didn't pray for this man. He just spoke to him. He just released faith. He just released the Word of God. Now, how did Jesus know that this man had been <laughs> sick all that time? I believe the Lord showed him. You know, there was a man here a while ago that had a big ministry, and he'd get people to, when they came through the door, folks say, well, where are you from, you know? And, oh, yeah, what do you do? And, oh, what you, do you have any, why are you here? And they'd write it all down, then he had a little miniature earpiece in his ear, and his, somebody would say, now, the third person in the, from the left in the second row, we're in the red dress here. And this guy would act like he was hearing from God. Until finally one day somebody caught him. <laughs> you know, and I mean, he was hearing all right, but not from God. He was hearing from one of his deacons or ushers or whoever it was. And, you know, that kind of made him look bad. But I don't think Jesus had, the, you know, the disciples out there talking to people and coming back and telling him who was suffering from what. He just knew. He knew this because he knew it in the Spirit. Have you ever known anything in the Spirit? Has God ever just spoken something to you about another person and that you didn't know and they didn't tell you and all of a sudden it just opened the door for ministry? 
See, he knew he'd been there a long time. Now, he asked him an interesting question, too. He says, do you want to get well? Well, duh. <laughs> you know, what do you mean, do I want to get well? You know, why do you think I'm laying here? <laughs> he went to blind Bartimaeus. Hey, blind Bartimaeus. Now, that should give you a clue about who this guy is. Blind is a part of his name. <laughs> Amen? And blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? He'd been hollering, Jesus, Jesus, help me. He said, hey, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Well, duh, you know, I want to see. But Jesus always asked people what they wanted, and I discovered that's a valid principle. Very often we just pray for folks assuming that we know what they want. And there was a lady one time at my father-in-law's church. He was a spirit-filled Methodist pastor, and they had the hunters too. How many ever remember the hunters? Charles and Francis Hunter. And they were ministering, doing great miracles. And this lady came in. She'd been invited with someone. And she had a withered arm, amongst a lot of other problems, I guess. And she had this withered arm. And they were just telling that arm to grow. They, they didn't pray for people. They just spoke. And they said, arm, come out. And I was down there watching. Because I, I was interested in what they were doing and, and uh, how they ministered. And this arm started to grow out. It was just amazing was growing and growing. You could see it. It got way out there, and that woman said, that's not what I wanted God to do. You know what happened? That arm just shrunk right back. I thought, well, you foolish woman. You could have had anything you wanted today from God, but you're... she had an attitude problem. She was full of bitterness. Well, you know, that really stamped me for life. God won't do for you what you don't want. And there's a lot of reasons that people don't want things. You may think that someone in a particular situation, really wants to get out of it. When in reality, they've grown accustomed to it. In some ways, it's even made their lives easier because nobody expects anything out of them. You know, if you come along and get them healed, then they're going to have to get a job. They're going to have to be... Resp- they're just saying, well, you know, I don't know if I want all that. This isn't really that bad. <laughs> Hello? I've gone up to lots of people in wheelchairs, and I would have thought they'd have said, I want to walk. I've never, I don't think I've ever had one say that. They always had some other thing they wanted. But if a person doesn't want to walk, there's no use in you engaging your faith in something a person doesn't want. So you need to establish what they want. Jesus did that. That's how he ministered. What do you want? So when I pray for people, I always ask them, what do you want Jesus to do for you today? Amen? So when they tell me, then I can agree with that and release my faith and the gift of healing that's resident in me, and that's also resident in you, by the way. And I can release that, and I can release faith and virtue to flow and to meet that need. So that's what Jesus did. He established, what do you want? Now, of course, he, like we say, he didn't pray for the man. He just spoke. Now, in the Bible, that's, that's very biblical. In fact, in Psalms 107, verse 17, it says, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gate of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. And then verse 20 says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So when we speak that word of deliverance, what are we doing? We're releasing the faith of what we hear from God into that person. Now, there's many times I've noticed over the years in ministering to people that as I prayed for them, that very often I'd hear myself praying things 
that, uh, you know, I knew it was just coming out of the Spirit. One time I was praying for this little guy down in a church in Florida, and, and uh, I was just praying for him. The parents had brought him up to bless him, and I was saying, God, help him with his math. And they, he just kind of looked at me. I found out that he had a lot of trouble with math. I mean, he was struggling with it. I went back a year later, and he was acing it. <laughs> you know, God had answered that. It was a prayer of the Holy Spirit for that young man. So there's times the Holy Spirit will pray things through us and pronounce blessings. But see, that was a blessing that I was pronouncing. I was blessing him with God's word for his life, that his, he was going to have help with that math. You see, and I was releasing that. See, it's important to know that we can see and hear. Jesus was approached after this miracle by the Jews, and they said, look, why did you do this? This is the Sabbath, you know. You're not, you got all the other days of the week to work. And Jesus said, well, he said, my father's working. See, God doesn't have a day off. <laughs> Hello? It was the Sabbath, but he said, my father's working. And he says, when he's working, I work. In fact, he said, I'll tell you, I can't do anything unless I see the father doing it. And that's pretty amazing. All-powerful Jesus, who was not just equal with God, but was very God, was limited in his earthly walk on purpose. He limited himself. He left his godhood on the throne. He came down to become the Son of Man and the Son of God. And he didn't do any miracles until after he was filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. He was lived in lives a life of obscurity other than just that little event when he was about 12, year, 12 13 years old when, when he went to the temple. And that's all, you know, we never heard of him all those years. He just grew up, obeyed his mom, obeyed his dad. That must have been pretty miraculous, of course. Back in those days, if you had kids that were rowdy, you could stone them. So I guess they kind of kept things in line, you know. But, uh, <laughs> hello, have you ever felt like, no, I shouldn't ask that. <laughs> One time I thought about, well, maybe can we send you back to the manufacturer, you know? <laughs> You're asking to be sent, that's for sure. You know, so um, Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. Now, I don't know about you, but I just always had this in my mind without realizing. I just saw God, the austere judge on the throne, you know, just sort of dispensing justice. You know, just being there. Jesus down here, he's Mr. Mr. Love. <laughs> you know, going around loving on people and just doing all this. Just whoever it was, he just loved everybody. But then he left, and now and then we're back with God again on the throne, you know. and just. But Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. John said, if we wrote down all the miracles this man did, he said, there's not a library big enough to hold the books. Hello? I mean, Jesus was busy. Healing people, casting out devils, raising the dead. We just have a little, about 32, 33 examples in the New Testament of his ministry. But John said, if we wrote everything, he's just, just and he would just like saying it's like the stars of the sky or the sun. It's just too much to keep track of. Too many people. And Jesus was only doing what he saw the Father doing. What does that tell you about the heart of God? He hadn't changed. You know, Jesus came down to reveal the Father, <laughs> to say that God is love. You know, but somehow in my mind, I just couldn't make that connection. I always thought of God as the judge, and God loves me, but man, he's, he can be pretty austere when he wants to be. And I, I begin to realize, hey, God really wants to heal people today just as much as he did then. The trouble is, we're not looking. 
I used to play, one of my favorite things when I was young was to play war, <laughs> soldiers. And I had a friend, James Otis, he lived about two or three farms down, and we'd, we'd get things and turn them into guns, you know, as how boys can do. And, and uh, I remember one time we played war out in the woods, out in the woods in the forest behind me up in Maine. There's lots of woods. And we went out in the woods, and we were playing kind of one-on-one search and destroy and so I remember I'd found this little spot, but he came up quicker than I thought, and I was right in the edge of a clearing. It was probably about as big as this platform. I didn't know what to do, so I just crouched right down on my knees, and I stood real still. He walked right into that clearing and looked right at me, looked all around, looked right at me two or three times, never saw me. See, I was crouched down, and I wasn't moving, and it just didn't register on him. And I thought, wow, how cool. But see, I think that's the way it is with a lot of us. God is wanting to do things and we're not seeing it because we're not looking. We have to train ourselves to look. I like to hunt deer. I don't know what you think about that if you love Bambi. You know, I would never shoot Bambi. I want want you to know that. I'd like to get his daddy, but I wouldn't. (laughs) I wouldn't. I wouldn't do I wouldn't do Bambi any harm. Or Thumper, or any of that crowd, you know. But It took me a long time to train my eyes to see. You'd think that a deer would just stand right out in the woods, but they don't. And sometimes all you see is a little bit of a deer. And you have to train your eyes to look for what shouldn't be there and for the unusual. And a deer could be standing right there, and you look right and not even see it. You see, because you don't know what you're looking for. You don't know how to see it. And I'm telling you that we can ask God. The Bible says the seeing eye and the hearing ear come from the Lord. Jesus said, I teach and speak what I hear the Lord saying. If we want to speak words of healing into people's lives, it might be good for us to listen to what God is saying, what He wants to say. I was praying for a lady down in Guatemala. And... uh, I was ministering to a bunch of leaders, and the interpreter said, well, she has a lot of pain in her body, and her whole body, she's had it for a long time. So I started to pray the prayer of faith, and the Holy Spirit checked me and said, you might as well not bother to pray. She has unforgiveness, and and she's in the hands of the tormentor. And so I didn't know what to do. I asked the interpreter to ask her if it was true, and she agreed with it, and she said, yeah. And I said, well, I believe God is saying it. Now, God didn't tell me this, but I, I mean, I knew what the Scripture said, and so I could speak with the thought. I believe that God is saying, if you'll forgive, He'll heal you. Are you willing? And she said, yes, and she was instantly healed. See, I heard something. Now, I could have prayed till the cows come home. And it wouldn't have been a matter of my faith or that God wasn't willing. She held the key in her hand. You know, she was locked up in a prison cell of pain because of unforgiveness. And as soon as she said, I forgive, bam, she was totally released. I don't even remember if I prayed for her. I think God just healed her right there. Instantaneously. It's good to be able to hear the word of the Lord. Sometimes God will surprise you. I was ministering in, uh, to the family church family there when I was pastoring, and there was a man there named Steve Backus. Steve had an unusual problem when he was a young teenager, like many of us were young. He was a little rowdy, and he was dri- driving too fast and wrecked his car, and uh, cr- his neck was crushed. All the vertebrates in his neck were crushed. They thought he was going to die, 
someone got to him and led him to the Lord and God showed him mercy and they, they managed to wire him all up. And so he was living a fairly normal life, wired up, and one day he was doing some welding and someone dropped a piece of pipe and it hit him in the neck and uh, something began to happen. All the bones fused together. And so for 14 and a half years, he'd had, he had to turn his whole body. He had no movement in his neck, up or down or sideways, and he, had never, he hadn't slept in bed for 14 and a half years. He was in pain. He wouldn't take pain pills. And, but God had told him he was going to heal him, and he believed it. And I knew all that in the natural. He'd shared it with me. And so one morning the Lord said, Call up the Bacchus family to me. I want to minister to him." And I just brought him up and just figured God was going to prophesy. And I just was kind of praying in the Spirit. And I laid my hands on Steve and started to speak. next thing I heard come out of my mouth was... And the Lord said, I'm healing your neck right now. I thought, what? God, you never told me that. You didn't ask me. You just, everybody just, the whole church was like, you know, just looking. Everybody knew his problem. And I said, well, can you move your neck? And he said, I think a little bit. He was just as stiff as, I mean, there was no movement at all. You know, I worried about that all day long. I don't know about you, but I take the word of the Lord seriously. You know, and it just came out. I mean, bang, before I could, I, I probably would have stopped it. Where my, you know, but it just came out. But, you know, I gave God permission to say to me what He wanted, whether I was ready for it or not. I don't, you know, so He sometimes takes me up on my word. And uh, I went home worrying about that, went to bed worrying about it, get up the next morning thinking about it. Thought about it all day long. And my wife went to a homeschool that meeting where Steve was, and he homeschooled his kids, he couldn't work. His wife worked, and he homeschooled the kids. And, and uh, he said, uh, tell Dennis when I went to bed last night, he'd go to bed, and he'd have to get up and sleep in the chair. He said, I'd lay down like I always do. But he said, I opened my eyes, it was morning. <laughs> Slept all night long. Then he said, I sat up on the edge of the bed, and I realized I didn't have any pain. He said, look at this. And his neck was totally healed. The word of the Lord works, friend. Now, I didn't see it work. But, you know, I stopped doubting it after that. I've had a lot of things happen after I've left I've seen a lot of people go to bed one way and get up another way. When we speak God's word, it does a work. See, Steve was believing for that healing. God had spoken to him personally. And even though I didn't know, wasn't involved in saying, well, you know, is this the day? I mean, God, just go ahead and release that word. It was time for it. God wanted to bless him. When we speak the word of God, things happen. Rise up, take up your bed and walk. Peter did the same thing. He didn't... Pray. He didn't say, well, look, fellow, you know, it just happens that we're going into prayer meeting. And we're going to pray for you. I know you've been lame for a long time. People have told me about it. We're going to go have a prayer meeting about you. We're going to ask God. Just keep on believing. Peter didn't pray. He just said, get up. He released the word of the Lord. And so that's a principle that we need to do. See, I, pr I believe the reason we don't see more happen is we pray safety zone prayers. We pray in such a way that if nothing does happen, we still look cool. Hello? We can pray all these religious things. We'll pray all around it. We'll ask God to do this, and we'll ask God to do that, and we'll bind this, and we'll loose that, and we'll tell the devil where to go as if he didn't know, as though we had the right to send him there. We do all that stuff. We do everything except get up and walk. I was praying for a young college fellow up in Pennsylvania. They met in a big barn up there. 
And his knees were shot. His knees were destroyed from football. He, poor guy could hardly walk. He was just in his 20s. He had a painful life ahead of him. And uh, I said, do you want God to heal you? you believe? He says, yes. And I said, I, I command these knees to be healed. I didn't pray for him. I spoke to his knees. Knees, you're healed. And I said, I spoke to ligaments and tendons and connective tissue and all the stuff that I know that's in there. I just spoke, you're healed. And I said, do you feel any better? I like to ask people. Sometimes he said, no, I don't feel any different. So I prayed again. I said, I command the healing to flow into your body. How do you feel? And I said, I feel the same. So I said, take a step. He took a little step. That hurt? Yeah. I said, well, take another one then. And he did. And I said, how's that? But he says, it felt a little bit better. I said, then take another. You know, within about three minutes, he was running laps around that barn. And they had a set of stairs that used to go up to a hayloft. He was running up and down those stairs, totally healed by the power, by the word of God. Sometimes we have to take people a little beyond their comfort zone. There was a lady just a few weeks ago in Arkansas that had the same problem. An older woman up in her 60s, she walked with a cane that had three things on the bottom so she wouldn't fall over. And uh, I said, do you want to get rid of that cane? She said, yes. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, well, my knees is just bone on bone. I can hardly walk. I said, could you walk up those stairs? Oh, no, that'd kill me. And I said, well, I command. I just spoke healing to those knees. I said, I want you to walk up those stairs. I said, I'll help you. And I just said, you know, she took two or three times up. The next day, her friends saw her in the Walmart. She always had to use an electric buggy to get around. She was running all over Walmart. with no. And she testified that night how God had totally healed her knees. See, when we speak the Word of God, there was a young lady that came up to me over around Walhalla. I was ministering over there by Clemson, and uh, I, there'd been a lot of healing going on that night, and it was about over. Everybody's going home, and she comes. She said, "Will you pray for me?" I said, "Well, what's wrong?" She said, "I had a, a joint surgically removed from my toe, and I've had to walk on the side of my foot for five years because my toe won't bend." I said, "Well, do you believe God can heal?" She said, "Yes, I do." I said, "Then, in the name of Jesus, I command a joint to form that toe. Take a step." Just like that. There was a joint there. She saw me a year later and said, look, I'm wearing high heels. I'm telling you, God's got power. Hallelujah. But see, our problem is we, we're, we're afraid or we're, we don't want to disappoint people. But there's got to be a time of bold. You've got to be bold. I was praying for a man who responded to a, a word of knowledge about someone with joint problems. He came up, a very distinguished looking man. I said, what's your need? He said, my joints are all frozen. He said, I can't turn my arm any further than this. It won't, it's locked right there. And I just began to pray and I asked him, well, do you believe God can heal you? He said, yes, I do. And I just began to pray in the spirit and all of a sudden this boldness rose up. I said, turn your hand over. He went like that and it went crack. The whole church jumped, you know, and I thought, oh my God, he broke his arm. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, man. I could just see it. I could see the newspaper heading. Visiting evangelist breaks old man's arm, you know. Lawsuit in... Pro I mean, it was just like... And I said, sir, are you all right? He said, all right. He said, I haven't felt this good in years. His whole body was healed. But see, it took that moment of boldness, releasing the Word of God, and we did what God said. And God healed him. There was a man that responded to a word of knowledge in, in another church, and he came up. Uh, God said, there's someone here with a film over their eyes. I'm going to heal them. He came up and he said, that's me. He said, I had surgery, took a, had a cataract removed. I still got this one. It's supposed to go in in a couple of weeks. I said, well, do you believe God can heal you? He said, yes, I do. And I said, well, I command that cataract to come off your eye in the name of Jesus. Didn't pray for him. I'd already been prayed up. I was moving in the things of the Spirit now. 
He went back to his seat, and I preached. He came up after the meeting. He said, look at this. There's a little ball of matter. I didn't know what it was or where he got it from, but he kind of shoved it up in my face. I said, well, what's that? He said, when I sat down, my eyes started to itch. He said, when I rubbed it, this came off in my hand. And he came back the next night and said, this eye God has healed is, a better, is better than the one I had the operation on. See, that cataract just came right off in his fingers because of the power of God. See, that's what God said he was going to do. God's a, a God of his word. He sent his word. In his, see, we've got to be able to hear God's word. Now, if God would speak with a Hebrew accent like, Oy vey, it's the Lord! You know, we'd just, okay, that's God. But when God talks to me, he sounds just like me. Doesn't he to you? You know, I say, well, am I thinking that? Is that my imagination? Or It is your imagination. God uses our imagination. He's in our spirit. And so he uses our faculties. They were designed for that. Just like a cell phone is designed to call on. You'd be surprised if it didn't. How many of you are surprised if you turn your cell phone on and say, I can't believe it, I just talked to somebody on I mean, you, you just take it for granted. You're, you're worried if it doesn't work, which they don't half the time. <laughs> but see, we were designed to hear from God. We were designed to think His thoughts. We were designed to walk in the Spirit. He'll show us things and tell us things, but if we live life in the safety zone, if we're not willing to get out and take a risk, if we're not willing to become vulnerable, if we're not willing to be a fool for Christ, if we're not willing to take a chance of being wrong, how can we ever move into the zone of the Spirit, into the faith realm? You can't. It's not going to work. You've got to get out of yourself and into God. And sometimes, and I'll tell you, that's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's just when you're here and God says, just take that... You know, you just take that step. When I was a young Christian and God wanted me to prophesy, I'd be so afraid, I'd be shaking, oh God. You know, but as soon as I opened my mouth, the fear would go and the boldness would come and the Word of God would come. And after a while, I figured it out. You know, that fear wasn't coming from God. It was just a human response of being wrong, of being out, people looking at you. And, you know, what if I say it and it isn't God? Well, what if you're saying and it is? What if I pray and nothing happens? But what if you pray and somebody gets healed? What if I prophesy and it's just me? But what if you prophesy and it's God? Friend, you got a 50-50 chance. That's better than any lottery ticket. In fact, I'll tell you, the odds are more like 99 to 1 that you're going to hit it. If you've prayed and you put yourself in His hands and it's His glory you're seeking, He's not going to mislead you. And even when you don't think anything's happened, very often it has. I prayed for a lady one time that had been badly burned. I didn't know how bad. And I, you know, she said, I want God to heal me. And I think I asked her, do you believe he will? And she said, yes, I command new skin to come on your arm in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You see, there's power in that name. That name's not just a formula, but when we speak in the name of Jesus, and this is a principle, I'm showing you principles. I haven't given them all a number. I'm sorry I'm not good at that. You know, and every time I set out, I got it all written down here. I got numbers and everything. When I get preaching, I just forget about it and I just go and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. I hope. Hope it's not rabbit trails. See, when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, what that literally means is just as if He were here. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could come in this morning and here be Jesus standing here? 
He'd just be here with his arms out and you could see the nails and just see the love on his face. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, wouldn't that be great? How many, if you came in and saw Jesus here and you had a need, would ever think, well, golly, here I go. go home. I'm going to go home the same way I came. Or would you think, oh my goodness, Jesus is here. He can help me. Wouldn't you be excited if you saw? Wouldn't your faith be stirred up? Wouldn't you be able to believe for miracles? I mean, it's a shame he's not here. It's just us. Right? Yeah, you can't see him up here, can you? But we know he's here because we brought him with us. Wherever we go, there he is because he lives inside of us. It's the same Jesus. Peter knew that. Peter had seen Jesus heal people before. He knew how he operated. Peter didn't get down, okay, we're going to go over here and pray. Now, one time Peter did pray, got called a Joppa. And Dorcas had died. He didn't know what was going on, but he got there and the people said, Dorcas is dead, we want her back. (laughs) We need her ministry. She had an important ministry. She was blessing people. We're not ready to lose her yet. You know, we want Dorcas back. And they sent Peter in the room. Almost you could hear him saying, don't come out without her. <laughs> Peter went in and prayed, oh God. I believe he was asking God what he wanted him to do. How am I to minister? How am I to proceed? Is Dorcas supposed to come back? But he heard from God. He got up, went up to her and said, get up. When you obey God, things happen. We had a little lady in our church. Nine kids. Homeschool mom, two chicken houses, a catering business, very busy lady. And uh, one day she was on her way somewhere across uh, Route 50 going south in Delaware. And she drove by a place where there was an emergency vehicle in the yard. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, I want you to stop and go in there and pray. And like most of us, she just kept going. About a mile down the road, the Lord spoke again and said, I told you, I want you to go back and pray. And she kept going. The Lord spoke to her a third time, and so, so she said, okay. And she drove back and drove up in the yard and knocked on the door, and someone, and she said, uh, what are you here for? And uh, she said, well, what's going on? She said, well, they just pronounced Grandma dead. He says, well, I feel like God told me to come here and pray. Uh, can I do that? And she just went into another room and just prayed. She did what God told her to do. And as she was leaving the house, Grandma had revived. And the people were all excited. And Grandma's come back. God raised her from the dead. Now, she didn't go in and command her to get up, but she did what God told her. Just go in and pray. So she just went in and prayed the, a little prayer of blessing and left. But that was all she had to do because that's what God told her to do. I'll tell you, God is wanting to do miracles in our lives, but we're not listening and we're not looking. And when we do pray, we pray such nebulous prayers... We minister in a way that God cannot honor what we're doing because it's not the method that He uses. It's not the principles that He operates by. Jesus showed us how to do it. But we've taken the safe route. And we can pray all these high lofty prayers to the God that inhabits the praises of Israel and all the stuff. We pray all around the thing and we don't ever say, get up and walk. Or knees, you're here. When I pray for a person's body, I speak to parts of just like that part can hear me. Back, you're healed. Eyes, you're healed. Ears, you're healed. I've had deaf people get brand new. Guy had had an eardrum for 25 years, and God gave him a new eardrum. Blind people see. 
cancerous tumors disappear off of people's bodies. Sometimes right under their hands. I said, put your hand on that thing. Go and go and gone. Where is it? It's gone. Felt it go. Was I just speaking that to be a show-off? No, I was speaking the Word of God. I was building faith and releasing faith and moving in the Spirit. Now, why does God give me that ministry? Well, the Bible tells me my job is to get you doing it. <laughs> Hello? That's your job, to do the work of the ministry. My job is to show you how to do it. My job is to demonstrate the utter simplicity. Listen, friend, I'm just a chicken farmer from Maine. I haven't been to Harvard, Harvard Yard. I haven't been to Oxford. I haven't been to Princeton. I haven't been anywhere like that. I don't, have a, I don't come from a background of preachers and prophets. I come from all-American heathen stock. <laughs> At least on my dad's side of the family. My mom was a, her side of the family. were very godly people. But, you know, God's using me because I'm willing God's using me because I'll listen to him and I'll do what he tells me to do. And even if it's risky, I'm going to take a risk because I want to see God move. And I'm willing to put my reputation on the line and I do it all the time. Because it's either God or it's not. I can't make it be God. And I can't stop it from being God. If it's God, it's God. But my heart is to move in God. My heart is to flow. How many have that same heart here today? You see, I've got, seen God do so many wonderful things and heal so many people. Just two, last week I was in uh, Eastern Maryland, or two weeks ago, and I prayed for a woman that had uh, lumps in her breast and uh, they were sure it was cancer and I just commanded them to go. I got a phone call a few days ago from the pastor there and she said, I want you to know when she went to the doctor, they weren't even there anymore. They just dissolved. Didn't take anything but just a few words of faith. See, when we release the Word of God, things happen. Now, if you're sick here today and you have pain in your body and, you know, you're just in a, in a bad way, I want you to come up if you're interested in getting healed. Could we move this out of the way? If you're interested in getting healed, I want you to come up and just make a line there, would you? I don't care if you've been prayed for a hundred times. Sometimes it takes perseverance. See, we can stir ourselves. We can, we can become bold people. Move down that way a tad, if you will, so, we're not, so we can just... I just want one line here. Hallelujah. Does everybody that I pray for get healed? Well, I don't really know because I, I pray and move on, but I hear story after story after story, and I'd have to say a great majority of the people that I minister to, God moves in their life. And great things happen. I've seen scoliosis of the spine healed several times. Flat feet replaced with arches. Eye problems healed. Ear problems healed. Back problems healed. Hip, hip problems healed. Arthritic problems healed. Cancers disappear. Just all kinds of things that I've seen God do over the years. God's done it. I didn't do it, but I'm a part of it. See, that's what I learned. God, God wants to do it, but He's waiting on me. I'm a part of the process. It isn't just God doing something and I happen to be there. Or God's in a good mood and I happen to be there. But I deliberately placed myself in a position where people can draw on God. And He's interested. Now, how many of you that are seated out there want to see these people heal this morning? 
Amen. Is that something that's in your heart to see God do miracles, signs and wonders? And how would you like to see Him even moving out there in the community? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, you're just the crowd I'm looking for. I want each one of you to come and stand behind these people. Come quickly. I want everybody to have somebody standing behind them. Uh, it would be coming? better to go if yeah. to someone that's not your yeah. family, uh, someone that you don't know very well. Just pick someone that up here that's, you know, you, you may know them casually, but you're not intimately acquainted with them. And just, I'd like to have everybody covered. Yeah, everybody covered. And as they're coming, I wanted to give you something to release your faith. Remember what I shared about earlier about reaching into heaven to get something? Well, there was somebody who had a financial need that came this morning, and they needed a thousand dollars, and the Lord gave them a thousand dollars this morning. Praise God. So what Dennis is saying, these people need healing, and we can reach into heaven and get yeah. a healing for them. Amen. The Lord's already done it, and He did that to release faith into this room. That Dennis came with a word that God wants to heal people. Amen. He really does, and we, if we ignore stuff like that, then we are of most men most foolish. God, there's, a, there's an anointing for healing right now. And, but God wants to use us to do it. You see, that's the thing. He wants you to heal people's lives. Freely you have received, freely give. You've got a word, we need to use it. So, Come forward encourage. just a little bit. Now, reach out and touch the person in front of you that you're going to be praying for. Kind of spread out a little bit so all the prayees are on the front. And I want all the prayers behind them. And so if you're up here to... Uh, how many don't have someone touching you on the shoulder right now? All right, here's some hands that are up. Okay, here's some hands that are up over here. I need somebody to pre put your hand on these persons that have their hand up. See, there's f folks bunched up down here. There's some people down here that still need prayers. You fellows can come up and, and join us. There's two, two or three or four people down here. And uh, let's try to get as many people up here as we can. Come on, just take a chance. Take a risk. What's the worst that can happen? You'll fail. Big deal. <laughs> how many times did you crash a computer? Or how many times did you fall off a bike? Or how many times did you miss the bullseye? But you didn't quit. You just kept going. Amen? All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want those that are up here to be prayed for, I want you to turn around to the people that are behind you to minister to you. And uh, I think we've got someone here that has like two people praying for him. I just want one person, because there's people down here that don't have anybody. There's someone down here that doesn't have anybody to pray for him. Yeah, someone's on their way. Okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to ask the person what they want Jesus to do for him. Go ahead. Now keep it simple. Keep it simple. Listen up. Listen up a minute. Listen up a minute. Keep your request simple. Don't go down through all the maladies you've had all your life and how your great aunt Matilda just say my back hurts or my foot hurts or my headaches or keep it simple. Okay, now once you've I'll let you go ahead and get it established what they what they're believing for. Okay, now once you've established what they're believing for, what they're asking for, we're just going to pray in the spirit for a couple for a minute or so. And I want you to just ask God to give you something to say to them or give to them 
and uh, that you're going to trust when you open your mouth and release the blessing that it's going to be something that's born of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to speak right to the need of their life. If they've got a bad shoulder, then say, shoulder, you're healed. Uh, maybe they'll, they'll say, well, you know, I can't lift my arm up. Then I just say, I'm going to touch your shoulder. When I do, you're going to lift your hand up. Go ahead and do it. You know, you might need to encourage them in their faith to do something and stretch beyond what they are. I don't want you to spend a lot of time, oh, God, heal them. Oh, giving them a Holy Ghost massage. Just speak to the need. It's the Word of God that heals them. Some of you might feel just impressed just to touch them. All it takes is a touch. Just a touch from God, see? And, and so uh, go ahead now and just pray in the tongues for a few minutes. I think there's someone down here who doesn't have anybody to pray with her. Hallelujah. I'm going to come down here and pray. Are you up here to get prayed for? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? This week, so your shoulders are hurting and your blood pressure. Are you feeling weak from the blood pressure now? Okay. Could you lift your arms up or does it hurt to do that? Does it hurt? Okay, put them back down. Thank you, Father. I'm going to just touch you on the top of the head when I do. God's power is going to go down through your life. You're going to be able to lift your arms up without pain and strength's going to come. Are you ready? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you're healed. Now lift your hands up. Begin to praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you for strength coming, Lord. Move those shoulders around. What's going on? What's happening? Is it as bad as it was? Keep moving. Keep moving them. Here, move out here. I'll give you a little room. Just keep moving them around. What's going on? Thank you, Lord. What's happening with them? Uh-huh. It's getting better. I want you to do something for me. No, come over here. You may say, what does this have to do with shoulders? But sit down right up here in this chair, would you? Just sit down right there. Now, just stretch your feet out here to me. Now, just, just drop them like you're going to drop them on the floor. Now, just drop them. All right, did you know this leg was shorter? Just a tad. Can you see where your heels are? All right, Lord, we just thank you for an adjustment in the hips. In Jesus' name, this leg to lengthen this frame to straighten up, every vertebrate's coming in line, the nerves are being released, those shoulders are relaxing, and the pain is gone in Jesus' name. Stand up. How's it going? It's better. Praise God. How do you feel? Well, y'all, you know, some of you are leaving. I wanted to receive an offering for uh, Okay, praise God. Yeah. Don't go because we're going to have a praise yeah. report here. So on the way out the door, Emerson Manning's got a plate. If you'd like to make an offering, we'll give all that to uh, Dennis. So, Everybody that came up to pray for someone, just go back to your seat real quick. I'm not going to keep you here a long time. i got to drive back to Pennsylvania myself today, so I'm not interested in dragging it any on, on any further. Those of you that were prayed for, I want you just to stay up here just for a minute, if you would. 
those of you that were prayed for. I want to give you an opportunity to testify. What were you prayed for today, brother? What was wrong with your arm? Heart had surgery on Were you in pain when you came up? What happened when you were prayed for? Yeah, did you, have you noticed any difference in it? Starting to get improved. See, when we pray, the Bible says improvement begins. So had surgery, his arm's already starting to feel better. What were you prayed for? Yes. So you have to go to, a, have to, go to the dentist and have that checked out.